Ashley Buck reading Nora Roberts' book, Finding the Dream, Chapter 11. With anger and shame snapping at her heart, Allie raced over the lawn through the arbor of wisteria. Nobody understood her. Nobody cared. Those thoughts drummed a miserable beat in her head as she whipped down the stone path through banks of hibiscus and night-blooming jasmine. She didn't care either. She didn't care about anything or anyone. Nothing could make her care. She burst through arching years into a sun-dampled enclave with marble benches and a central, fa central fountain shaped like sprouting collie lilies. Her headlong rush halted by the skin of her boots on brick and was shocked. It was her spot, where she came when she needed to be alone, to think, to plan, to sulk. She hadn't known her mother came here, too. The clips were her mother's specialty. Yet her mother was here, sitting on a marble bench, weeping. She'd never seen her mother cry, not like this. Not with her hands covering her face, her shoulders heaving, not such violent, helpless, hopeless tears. Staggered, she stared, watching a woman she had always believed incredible, invincible, sobbing, as though the wall of grief would never undry. Because of me, Allie thought as her own breathage. Because of me, Mama, Laura's head shot up. She sprang off the bench, fought for control, lost, breaking. She sank down again, too tired, too bruised, too shattered to fight. I don't know what to do anymore. I just don't know what to do. I can't take anymore. Panic, shame, emotions. She didn't understand. Spurred so high, so fast that Ellie was across the bricks, wrapped around her mother before she thought to move. I'm sorry, Mama. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Under the arch Kayla's grip, Michael's hand. Mama's crying. Mama's crying so hard. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. It assured him to see it, to hear it, to know there was nothing he could do to stop. It'll be all right, baby. He looked the Caleb up, let her press her face into his shoulder. They just need to get it out. That's all. Let's leave them alone. I don't want her to cry. Kayla sniffled against the messy care. Neither do I, but sometimes it helps. She leaned back, sure that he would hold do you ever cry sometimes? I do, stupid man. Things and say it instead. Say bad words, break things. Does it make you feel better? Mostly. Can we go break something now? He grinned at her. Lord, what a character. Sure, let's go find something good to break. But I get to say all the bad words. In the enclave, Laura held her daughter close, rocked her. Comforting. It's always brought comfort. It's all right, Allie. It's all right. Don't hate me. I could never hate you, no matter what. She tilted her daughter's tear-streaked face up. Her baby, she thought, swamped with love and guilt and sorrow. Her firstborn, her treasure. I love you, Allison. I love you so much, and nothing could ever change that. You stop loving Daddy. Laura's heart shuddered again. What did it have to be so hard? Yes, I did. But that's different, Allie. I know it's hard to understand, but it's so very different. I know why he went away. Allie struggled to steady her jaw. She had made her mother cry, and nothing she knew nothing she had ever done could be worse. It was my fault. No, with firm hands, Laura cried out. No, it was not your fault. It was. He didn't like me. I tried to be good. I wanted to be good. I wanted to be. I wanted him to stay to love us, but he didn't want me, so he went away. Why hadn't she seen this? Laura wondered. Why hadn't a family counselor? Why hadn't anyone seen it? Allie, that's not true. People get divorced. It's sad and it's sorry. But it happens. Your father and I got divorced because of him and because of me. 
You know I don't lie to you, Allie. Yes, you do, Stun Lord Rebecca. Allie, you don't lie exactly, but you make excuses, and that's the same. She bit her lip, terrified that her mother would cry again, but she had to say, You always made excuses for him. You say he wanted to come to the recital, but he had an important meeting. He wanted to go with us to the movies or to the zoo or any place, but he had work. But it wasn't true. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to go with me. Oh, dear God, how could protecting your child cause so much damage? Was it because of you? Not because of you, Allie, or because of Kayla. I promise that's not true. He doesn't love me. How could she answer? What was right? Praying that whatever words she chose would be best, she stroked Allie somewhere. It might be hard for you to understand this, but some people are cut out to be parents. Maybe they like to be or they want to be, but they just can't. Your father never meant to hurt you or Kayla. Alice shook her head so doesn't love me, she said, or Kayla, or you. If he doesn't love you in the way you wish he did, it isn't your fault. It's nothing you did, nothing you are or aren't. It's not his fault either, because you're making excuses again. Laura drew back, shut her eyes. All right, Alice said, no excuses. Are you sorry you had me? Laura's eyes said, what? Sorry, oh, Alice, and this part at least was easy as reading. Do you know... When I was a girl, hardly older than you, I used to dream that I would fall in love one day and get married. I'd have a home with beautiful children to fill it. I'd watch them grow. Her lips curved now as she shook the hair away from her daughter's damp cheeks. Not all of that dream worked out the way I thought it would, but the best part did. The best part of the dream, the best part of my life is you. And it's Kayla. Nothing in the world could be truer than that. Allie knuckled, tears from I didn't mean those things I said. I know. I said them because I knew you would never go away. No matter what, you'd never go away. That's right. Smiling, Laura flicked a finger down. I was, you're stuck with me. I felt bad, and I wanted it to be your fault. She'll just follow breath before she's speaking. Did he go to bed with another woman? Just when you thought it was safe, Laura, I want to know. Where did you hear a thing like that? At school. The flush was up in Allie's cheeks, but she kept her eyes. Some of the other older girls talk about it. That's, that's nothing you or the older girls should be talking about. Ellie's mom. He did. She nodded and leaving a small lovely part of her child on the bench. That was wrong. He hurt you. You made him go away. There were a lot of reasons I asked for a divorce, Allie. Try carefully, Laura warned herself, even as her heart was breaking to see that two adult look in her baby's eyes. None of them is appropriate for you or your friends to discuss. I'm talking to you, Mama. Allie said so simply that Laura had no response. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't your fault either. It was his fault. No, it wasn't your fault. But two people make a marriage, Allie, and two people break it. No, Allie thought, studying her mother. Not always. Did you go to bed with another man? No, of course not. Laura stopped herself appalled as she was discussing her sex life with a ten-year-old. Allison, that question is completely inappropriate. Cheating is inappropriate, too. Weary way, Laura rubbed around. You're too young to judge, Allie. Does that mean it's all right to cheat sometimes? Trap, trap, honey, I'm getting logic and admiring values of a ten-year-old. All right, no, it's not. Took her money to Denny. Oh, good God, Laura Rose. Gossip isn't attractive, but it's irrelevant. She understood now, Allie thought. Understood the titters from other girls, the murmur conversation of adults. And all the pitiful guys. That's why you had to go to work. Money is not an issue here. She refused to let me. I went to work because I wanted to. I opened the shop because I wanted to. Templeton hotels have always been part of my life. So have Margo and Kate. Working is sometimes hard and it's sometimes tiring. But it makes me feel good and I'm good at it. She took a breath struggling for the writing. You know how you're tired after a long rehearsal? You know how you're tired after a long rehearsal? 
for a recital. But you love it, and when you're done well, when you know if you've done well, you feel strong and happy. That's not an excuse. No, lawyers look careful. It's not an excuse. Fact is, I'm seriously considering asking my boss at the hotel for a raise. I'm damn good. Granddad, if you want. Templeton's don't pull rank. Can I come with you to the hotel one day and watch you work? I like going to the shop, but I've never gone to your other office. I'd like that. She stepped forward, brushed a hand over Ali's head. It's never too soon to start training the next generation in the Templeton organization. Settled again. Allie rested her hand on her mother's breast. I love you, Mama. It had been Laura's thought much too long since she heard those words. There were birds singing in the garden, she realized, and the little fountain was playing musical. The air was soft, and her child was in her own. Everything would be all right. I love you, too, Allie. I won't sass you anymore, or be a brat, or say things to make you cry. Of course you will, Laura thought suddenly, so you're going up. And I'll try not to make excuses. Smiling now, but I'm still not going to let like Mrs. Lynchfield, and I'm never, ever going to call her mama. Oh, I think I can live with that. Eyes gleaming wickedly. Laura bent down. Women to woman. I'll tell you something. Just between you and me, I don't like her either. She <laughs> stretched her finger over Allie's lip when they pulled boat up. Are we better now? Uh-huh, Mama. Everybody said our home was broken, but they were wrong. It's not broken at all. Laura tucked her daughter under her arm and looked across the garden to Templeton House. No, it's not. We're not. We're just fine, Allie. It wasn't an easy thing for a young girl with a great deal of pride to take the first step. Though it had troubled her and kept her awake a long time during the night, Allie hadn't told her mother what Michael had said to her or how it had made her feel. She wasn't sure what her mother would have done or said, but she did know when you'd done something wrong, you were supposed to fix it. She got up early and dressed for school, then slipped out the side door to avoid any questions. Old Joe was here this morning, humming to his azaleas. Allie cautiously skirted that section of the garden and made her way toward the stables. She had her speech all worked out, and she was very proud of it. She thought it was mature, dignified, and clever. She was certain that Mr. Fury would not wisely impress after she was done. She stopped for a moment to watch the horses he let out in the paddock. He would be cleaning the stalls. Then she tried not to pout as she watched Tess and thought about what it was like to ride her and brush her and feed her apples. Her mother might have invaded the subject of money, but Allie knew with her new wisdom that buying and keeping a horse would strain the budget. Besides, she didn't intend to ask Mr. Fury for anything. He had yelled at her, scolded her, threatened to spank her. That was simply not permitted. <sighs> Head high, she walked into the stables. All the smells she began to love were there. Hay and grain and horse and leather. She remembered the way he'd shown her to saddle soap attack, how to carry a horse, how he had put her in the saddle for the first time and praised her. Spitter lip. None of that mattered. He insulted her. She heard the sounds of the shovel. And she walked to the end of the road where Michael was filling a wheelbarrow with switch-strong manure. Excuse me, Mr. Furry. Fury. Her voice had a royal ring that she would have been surprised to know closely echoed her mother's. He looked behind him, took in the slight young girl in the tidy blue dress, and treading in Italian church. You're out early. Thoughtfully leaned on some nice gold today. I don't have to leave for a little while. She glanced at her watch, folding her, arm, her hands. The gestures were so like Laura's, he had to fight back a smile. Something you want to say? Yes, sir. I want to apologize for being rude and for causing a family scene in front of you. Little Miss Dignity, he thought, your chin's trembling. Apology accepted. He said simply and bent to do his work. He was supposed to apologize now. It was, after all, the proper way to close the misunderstanding when he didn't. Her brochure 
I think you were also rude. I don't. He dumped the last load, propped up his shovel, gripped the handles on the wheelbarrow. Better move aside, and you'll get your dress dirty. You raised your voice. You called me names. He said, and your point is, you're supposed to say you're sorry. He he released the handles, brushed his hand over his jeans. I'm not sorry. You deserved it. I'm not a brat. Oh, her dignity crumbled, as did her face. I didn't mean the things I said. I didn't mean to make her cry. She understands. She doesn't hate me. I know she understands. She loves you. Her kid who has a mother like that in her corner's got everything. Pushing it away is pretty stupid. I'll never do it again. I know better now. I know lots of things better now. She knuckled a tear away. You can spank me if you want, and I will tell. I don't want you to hate me. Michael crouched now. Gave her a long steady look. Come here. Trembling, terrified at her images of humiliation and pain, she stepped forward. When he grabbed her, she muffled a cry of alarm and was dazzled to find herself being hugged. Here, stand up, gal, Blondie. There, he smelled the horses. I am. Swollen pride's hell. I know. You did a good job. Full of wonder, she held on tight. It was like Granddaddy or Uncle Josh or Uncle Byron, but different. Just a little different. You're not mad at me anymore? No. You're mad at me. She shook her head and let the words tumble out. I want to ride the horses, please. I want to come back and help you and feed them and brush them. I told Mama I was sorry, and I won't sass her anymore. Don't make me stay away. How am I supposed to get things done around here without you? And Tess has already been missing you. She sniffed. He's back. Ashley, really? Maybe you've got time to say hi to her before you take off for school, but you want to get rid of these. He took out a bandana. Allie experienced the thrill of having her tears dried by a man for the first time. Fell headlong in love. Will you still give me riding lessons and teach me how to jump? I'm counting on it. Count on it. Friends? Yes, sir. Michael. My friends call me Michael. He'd never been inside Templeton, Monterey, though Michael had grown up just at the coast it wasn't so odd he never had a need for a hotel in the area and if he had templeton would have been beyond his touch he'd been to the resort after all his mother had worked there so he knew what to expect then again he mused as he passed the uniform doorman he usually got more than he expected from templeton the lobby was enormous sprawling with conversation and waiting areas tucked away behind potted plants and greenery to offer the cozy and the private the bar long and wide with generous chairs and gloomy tables was up a short flat of stairs and separated by a trio of brass rails as you wanted a little lift could enjoy their cocktail and watch the people come and go there were plenty of them michael noted they were six deep at check-in floating along monogamy counter while clerks hustled to sign rooms two wit waitresses worked the weighted crowd and passed out glasses of fizzy water the noise was huge whatever they stood sat or wandered they talked primarily women he observed some of them dressed for business others dropping from travel and now all he thought studying the heap luggage carts were enough suitcases for a six month stay as he maneuvered out of the way two women streaked toward each other over the shiny towel met with squeals and braces some were others were eyeing him not that he particularly might have been oogle but being so completely outnumbered he chose discretion as a better part of valor and contemplated retreat then he saw her there might not have been another woman in the room she carried a clipboard tucked on top of her fat file her hair was pinned up smooth somehow into a neat professional twist she wore a simple black suit that even one with a fashion impaired eye could see was plainfully expensive for his own pleasure he let his gaze wander down to her legs gave thanks to whatever sadist had convinced women to wear those skinny high heels.
though she was deep in conversation with the conference chair and frantically sorting out details in her head, Laura felt a flush of heat, a tingle at her back. She shifted, struggled to ignore it, and at last glanced over her shoulder. In the midst of all those women, many of whom were rolling their eyes behind his back, he stood with his thumbs tucked in his front pockets of his jeans, smiling at her. Miss Templeton, Laura, hmm? Oh, yes, Melissa, I'm going to check on that right away. The conference chair was as busy as Herod as Laura. She was also as human. It's but a quick tug as she looked across from My, my, Grinnish, she blew up. You sure do grow them fine in Monterey. Apparently, if you'll excuse me a minute, tucking her clipboard under her arm, she retorted Michael. Welcome to Bedlam. Did you come by to see Byron? I had no idea corporate executives were so sexy. He lifted a hand, flicked it over, a glittering heart pin on her lip. Able. Label. Cute. All the staff are wearing them. It's a romantic writer's convention. No kidding. Intrigued. He surveyed the crowd, met several pairs of weekly intrigued female eyes. These women write those books with all that steam. Romance novels are an enormous industry that accounts for more than 40% of the paperback market and provides enjoyments and entertainment for millions while focusing on love, commitment, and hope. <laughs> she reached around the room to the back of Don't get me started. I used to read because I liked the story. Now I'm become an advocate. Byron's in the penthouse. Still I didn't come to see Byron. The one might swing by. I came to see you. Oh, she turned her wrist to glance around. I'm awfully fresh just now. Is it important? I went by your shoppers. Quite a place. That impressed him as the hotel impressed him with its style. You had a crowd there, too. Yes, we're doing well. She tried to imagine it. Taking a turn around pretenses. Not quite the ball. Bull in the china shop, she decided. More like the wolf among the lamps. Did anything catch your eye? Uh, the dress in the front window had its points. His eyes slid down her. Would have had more with a woman in it. I don't know much about doodads and glitters. Kate Fast talked me into some blue horse. Ah, <laughs> oh, the aquarium mare. It's lovely. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do with it or how she managed to con me out of three bills for that little statue. Laura laughed. She's good. But I'm sorry you had to run around looking for me. And now... I like looking at you. He's for Michael. She backed up up into a shamelessly eavesdropping guest. I really have to get into my office. Fine, I'll go with you. No, it's no, it's this way. She began when he took her arm. I really don't have time. I do. I'm meeting another breeder in a couple hours. So the glass door with executive offices printed on it. <clears throat> Is it always so noisy around here? No, check-in for a convention livens things up considerably. wasn't much more sedated behind the desk. Phones were ringing. Boxes were stacked. People whizzed by. Laura turned into a small office with a central desk piled with tidy stacks of paper. The fax machine was humming away, spinning out an enormous stream. Christ, how do you work in here? Feeling <laughs> immediately hemmed in, he rolled his shoulders. How do you breathe in here? It's more than adequate. The limited space demands efficiency. Store up the facts and skimmed it as she picked up the phone. Sit down if you like. I'm sorry, I have to finish this. After punching in numbers, she cradled the phone between her neck and shoulder to keep her hands free. Karen, yes, I've got it right here. It looks fine. They need to set up their registration desk in an hour earlier. Yes, I know, but they'll have to readjust their estimate on walk-ins. Yes, I know, Mark's handling that, but he doesn't answer his page. No, I don't think he's gone over the wall. Chuck, she set the facts aside. Picked up a moment. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. 
that's on my list. Don't worry. If you could just my life for you. Now, I'll buy the pot when it's over. Thanks. I want to. Hell, I've got another cow coming through. I'll check you on you later. Michael took his seat, rested his ankle on his knee, and watched her work. Who would have thought it? He mused the cool pampered princess up to her elbows in details. Swinging her front phone to computer and back with a veteran soldier flanking the enemy. Depending on the topic, her voice was warm, chilly, brisk, or persuasive, and she never missed a beat. Actually, her heart missed quite a few. Every time she looked over and saw him sitting there, black denim and worn boots, dark wind-blown hair, eyes that watched everything. Michael, it's so before she could finish, he began to nudge him along as skinny man with a quick smile poked his head in. Sorry, Laura. Mark, I've been paging you for an hour. I know, I was strapped. I swear it. I'm on my way to deal with conference registration setup, but there's a small crisis in the goat ballroom. They want you. Of course they do. Michael, I need to see what this is about. Let's go. Don't you have something to do? He made her nervous, matching her pace as she stroked. Strode back into the lobby. I'm having fun watching him. A guy's entitled to an hour off now and again. As he climbed a flight of white carpeted steps, he looked around curiously. I've never been here before. Hell of a place. I didn't realize. I wish I could show you around, but... She shrugged her shoulders. You can take a tour on your own, but I wouldn't recommend using the elevators. We've got about 800 checking in today, and they'll be jammed. Jammed into an elevator with women who write romance novels. He <laughs> said, I can think of worse things. The second floor meeting room level was spacious as the lobby, as eloquently appointed and nearly as crowded. Enormous chandeliers were brilliantly lit, shooting light onto brass and silver, dripping on pots of flowering pejonias in snowy white and blue. Red. Along one wall, heaving drapes were open to a speculative view of the bay. Laura Matt marched toward a bank of six doors, topped with an ornate brass plating indicating the gold ballroom. You have to admire the Templetons. What? They know how to build a hotel. Because she appreciated the statement, she stopped for a moment. Isn't it what? It is wonderful, isn't it? It's one of my favorites, though. I can't think of any that don't have some special aspects. One of Rome, rising above the Spanish steps. There are views from the windows and break your heart. Templeton, New York, has this lovely courtyard. You never expect to find something that quiet in the middle of Manhattan. Take a step off Madison Avenue and the world changes. There are fairy lights in the trees, a little fountain. And in London, she traveled to her. That's something else you shouldn't get me started on. I always figured you'd take it for granted. Misconceptions, he murmured as they walked toward the ballroom again. There's a lot more. I don't know about you than I do. Templetons don't take anything for granted. And because she didn't, she stepped inside the ballroom prepared for anything. It was chaos. Half the tables from the evening mass literacy signing weren't set up. Half were still stacked and waiting. Mountains of boxes lined the walls. Even the thought of what it would take to unpack them and distribute the books to the right spot made her eyes cross. That at least was not her job. Laura, it was Melissa again. Her wide frame glasses sliding down her nose as she all but leapt across the carpet and into Laura's. I'm so glad you're here. We still haven't been able to locate shipments for six authors, and an entire shipment from one of the publishers is lost somewhere in the bowels of the hotel. I'll put a trace on them. Don't worry. Yes, but and I'll go down to shipping and receive myself. Her smile was meant to be reassuring and not wary. If necessary, I'll brave the bowels personally and find the books. <laughs> I can't tell you what that means to me. You have no idea what it's like to have to tell an author. She doesn't have any books to sign. Doesn't matter if it was flood, precedence, or Armageddon. She's going to jump you. 
then we'll see that they're here, even if we have to send someone out to raid the bookstores. Most will blew the hair out of us. Worked four nas nationals and six regional conferences. You're the best I've ever worked with, and I'm not saying that just because my life is in your hands. Relieved, she shifted her gaze to Michael, smiling winningly. Hello, I'm Melissa Manning, but I'm not insane. Michael, are you a writer? Yes, I am, even maybe particularly when I'm insane. Got a book I can buy. She blinked her eyes, lighting with the light behind the lens of her glasses. As a matter of fact, then, I happen to have one in my briefcase, which you can have. Would you like me to sign for it? That'd be great. Just give me a minute. That was very sweet, Laura Marwood, when Militia dashed off her foot. I like, I like to read, and I might learn something. He shifted, slid a hand down her arm, and still linked with hers. How about dinner tonight? Maybe a drive. Maybe some wild, unbridled sex. As usual, an interesting offer. It was humiliating now to clear her throat. I'm working here tonight. Now that's insane. I amused Melissa showed back and handed Michael over. You're a stronger woman than I, Laura. Choosing work over hot, unbridled sex. Michael grinned. I'm gonna like your book. I hope you will. Count on it. Excuse me a minute. He took Laura into his arms, lowered his head, and kissed her, and so every ounce of blood in her head drained to her feet and singled. He let her go, nipped lightly at her chin. Still holding that rain check. Sugar, nice to meet you, Melissa. Yeah. Staring after her, Melissa rubbed a hand over her. I believe in quality, descriptive, and well-crafted writing. She began, and all I can think of to say is, wow. She blew out her breath. Wow. Yeah, Laura made an effort to find the top of her head and been spinning somewhere close by. Alright, um, it's okay. Take a minute. I'm gonna book on those checks for you right now. Melissa tucked her tongue in her cheek. Appreciate it. Excuse me, as Laura struggled not to stagger to the door, Melissa indulged her alongside. God, I love this business. End of chapter 11.